Starting this fall, amazing local educators will be recognized with the launch of Superior Educators. This collaboration between several local school personnel and the Portage Health Foundation is meant to celebrate the people who make our area schools a great place to learn and grow. All educators at K-12 public schools in Barraga, Houghton, Keweenaw, and Otsunagan counties are eligible, including bus drivers, teachers, support staff, and more. Nominate a Superior Educator you know at superioreducators.org. Welcome into Copper Country today. I'm Grant Ducetto. I'm talking with the Keweenaw Snowmobile Club, three separate members, one on the phone. That would be trustee Ryan Laporte. And then I am actually at the Groomer Barn out here in Mohawk, and I have Justin Rogan and Scott Hakenin with me. Justin Rogan is one of the guys that you will see up on the actual groomers themselves, and then Scott Hakenin is the trail boss. Maybe we can start with the staffing and the volunteer opportunities. Are you guys in good shape? Do you need more people? And what do you need as far as different jobs and tasks uh, to be filled? As operators right now, for the machines we have running, we have a full staff. of. Uh, uh, we have a morning shift that usually starts around 4 in the morning, and then uh, evening shift about 4 to 5 in the evening, they go out. So we have four machines running, so we have eight full-time employees. And then we also have uh, three, possibly four uh, part-timers that will fill in throughout day shifts and night shifts as needed to get try to get operators a time off because this is a seven day a week job and many, many hours so you don't get to see your family very often. So we try to give them a day off or a night off here and there. Now, if you are working full-time, you're working seven days a week, you're putting in 70 80 90 hours in a week for several months on end yep. what do you do during the off season <laughs> <laughs> relax and enjoy the summer <laughs> spend a lot of time at the beach <laughs> and at camp that's that's where i relax i go to camp mm -hmm. and then i uh i do dirt work in the summer excavator and skid steer work and how did you decide to get involved, Justin, with this? You said you've been doing it for a couple of years now? Uh, <laughs> I needed a job, and I seen that they were hiring, so uh, I met someone that had groomed here before, and he said, yeah, throw an application in, and I got the job, and then I became Scott's partner my first year. Yep. And Scott, maybe you can tell the listeners, what does it mean to be a trail boss? Oh, a lot of work. <laughs> Many hats to wear. Not only is in charge of all the scheduling, making sure the runs are getting done, and uh, it's a lot of maintenance, so I'm wrenching on things, making sure the machines are fixed and running, and making sure all the trails are properly signed, dealing with the DNR lots. Every week I'm in contact with the DNR mm -hmm. just to verify things are running smoothly with them along with the board in constant contact with right now with Ryan and Ryan maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the trustee does what are your responsibilities year-round but especially this time of year so yeah certainly it's a busy time of the year so really we start getting um, ready for the season starting in mid-October um, bring a team on to start the signing and brushing process in preparation for that December first date trying to have equipment ready to go um, starting groomer maintenance and repairs once our grants are approved through the state. So DNR does a really nice job um, getting us funding, helping with those repairs, covering those operational costs to get us up and going, covering signing and brushing, 
Um, we get reimbursed per mile of trail that we maintain. I mean, as a trustee and as a board, we're really oversight for the club, so we're guiding the direction, um, working with Scott on staffing needs, projects, uh, grant paperwork. Um, Beth is a huge asset to us within our office, so she's the one that's really responsible for the grant paperwork, making sure we're documenting everything correctly, getting that submitted to DNR. The entire program operates on a reimbursement basis, so we have to have our ducks in a row um, in the work that Scott does in coordination with them, making sure that we've met all of their expectations in order to get those reimbursements in place. So that's kind of the main preparation for the season that the board's responsible for and throughout the season. And then while, while Scott says, hey, I spend a lot of time at the beach, he's also spending a lot of time in that summer season um, identifying trail projects, um, helping to put together the, the requests for grants from the DNR to fund trail improvements for culverts, bridges, um, trail work, uh, if we want to add a trail or put a trail back from service. So trail three getting repaired, um, hopefully next year will get us back up to five operational groomers again and enough mileage to support that. So normally the club would be running with a full, full team of five groomers and uh, 10 full-time operators to cover our over 200 miles of trail, but we're at that tipping point with trail three closed right now to not be at that. So we'll be working closely with the DNR to continue to grow that mileage and get us back up to five groomers and uh, continuing to, to grow the club and have a good presence. Scott, maybe you can talk about dealing with the DNR, what the process looks like. Uh, one of the aspects I deal with, like starting in the fall, is the, the signing and going through and making sure all our signs, all the trails are signed properly. And once I have that and help with Justin and other guys, we mm-hmm. get all of it done. I contact the DNR and they'll come out and they'll inspect it, go through, and if we're missing signs or it's signed improperly he'll let me know and we go fix it and uh that's where that starts and once it's all signed and and inspected then we get our our grant money released to us and then he'll do another inspection throughout the season he'll ride the trails and see if there's anything wrong and he'll let me know right away so it's it's been really good working with him our new rep the trail rep we deal with he's a very very easy to uh work with I know the Keweenaw ATV Club, they have to do essentially go to each individual private property owner along their network and make sure that the property owner okays the use of their land for for ATV use. Do you guys have to do the same thing, or is it done through the DNR and they negotiate the easements? Uh, It's done through the club. A lot of the board members take on that responsibility on doing getting all the paperwork, insurance, because there's liability insurance for each landowner. And uh, so it protects them if there's accidents or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But that'd be something maybe Ryan could answer better than I can. Sure, Ryan, uh, as far as negotiating with private landowners throughout the trail network, is there a benefit to them if they want to participate? Do they get reimbursed at all? Uh, there is a small per mile rate that they do get paid um, I'll be honest, Graham, I don't know the whole piece of that yet. Uh-huh. Um, there's like a per quarter mile uh, reimbursement for that, plus we carry the, the liability insurance uh, to hold them harmless if something happens on their property. 
Um, there is a lot of land out, out, landowner outreach that has to go on, very similar to the ATV club. Um, if people are going off trail, going in places that property owners uh, don't want um, the public to be traveling to. So we may at times have to put up additional signage. Um, hopefully it doesn't come to the point of snow fences and tape. But Scott, maybe you can comment if we have had to. Um, but there are a lot of outreach and communication that we have to do with those those property owners as we're maintaining that trail through there, whether it be during the snow season or during the season before or after when it comes to projects um, and signing and brushing so they're aware of what's going on on their property. Do they uh, do most property owners, are they pretty excited to be a part of it or do you have to do a little convincing? I think it goes both ways. I, I think the vast majority are happy to be a part of it. Um, especially with the responsiveness um, that both clubs provide, both the ETV club and the snowmobile club. Um, and then there's always a few that, you know, it, it comes and goes depending on how well our users um, respect their land and their property. Um, so that, you know, just, just varies depending on what's gone on in the past. But, Scott, you spent a lot more time with them. Would you say the majority of them are, are happy to be a part of it and happy to work with us? I believe so. From the landowners that I've talked to over the years while out even just brushing and signing and talking to the landowners because they come up and say, hey, what's going on? What are you doing over here, you know? And explain to them who I am and what I'm doing. And 90, 99% of them are happy. There's always that one fraction that, oh, they don't, they don't know if they're going to keep doing it because of loud pipes or they're tearing up their farm fields that kind of thing there's but we work with them the best we can we'll sign their property like we have a one up in uh was a copper copper falls yeah copper falls where the it goes right through his front yard and he was having troubles last summer with uh atv traffic because it's a snowmobile only trail not open to atvs mm -hmm. so we went and posted it no atvs private property no wheeled vehicles and he was happy and that, that stopped the problem going through in the summertime. Do you guys have any idea as far as the number of snowmobilers that hop on your trails in a given season? It could be 1,000 a day, <laughs> 5,000 a day. You never know. I mean, you can go for eight hours on the trail, start early in the morning and see 800 sleds. 900, mm -hmm. yep. So if you have 900 sleds, 1,000 sleds on a day, if the groomer goes by once, is that good enough? Does that keep it in no. sled shape, or do you have to do it multiple times a day? Multiple time, times a day. And like this past weekend, uh, the New Year's, New Year's weekend, we had high traffic, and we could not keep up with it. It's just impossible. No matter how much you groom, it just doesn't have time to set up. And that's the biggest thing is when we groom a trail, if that trail could sit for a couple hours before anybody traveled it, it would get hard set up and then it would last for a long time. Mm -hmm. But with continuous traffic after you groom, it, everything where the bumps and low spots are, a couple sleds go over and it's all blown right back out to the way it was before we went through. So it's hard to keep up on uh, getting trails to set up. So the groomers, the machines, are essentially running 
almost 24 7 correct once the season starts yep i'm assuming that the wear and tear you're talking about doing a 200 mile network i think i saw on your website that if you counted the number of miles that you guys do per season you could go around the world like one and a half times what is the maintenance like on the grooming machines how well do they um hold up underneath that stress uh each machine, like we have a uh, couple piston bullies that we've been running. We got two brand new tractors, so maintenance on them and breakdowns are two different, you know, animals. But regular maintenance, we we have a regular maintenance routine every day on the bullies and on the tractors. They have to get greased, and there's a lot of grease fittings on these machines. But that's a daily thing for each operator when they come in for their shift is to grease it before they leave and then not grease it when they come back and let the other operator know but there's a lot of maintenance every on the tractors i think it's 250 hours we do oil changes all the filters get changed on the bullies we usually run 300 hours so it's almost every two weeks we're doing oil changes Mm -hmm. when we're really rolling and as far as getting parts, it seems like everything is in short supply right now. Has it been difficult locating parts you need for repairs? Uh, yes. In fact, I have an order with Piston Bully. They're out of Jordan, Minnesota, where we had purchased these bullies at. And I got parts that have been back ordered for two months. So and what do you do in those situations? Kits. Just make do with what you got? Or? Yeah, hopefully that part don't go bad on these till we get here. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was contacted them today because I'm still waiting for that order. And they said, yeah, they're still back ordered. And they get parts from uh, other places out in Nevada. I think it's Reno, Nevada. They have another dealership. And if these two places don't have it, then the parts come directly from Germany. Well, that takes a long time, especially with what's going on now. Mm -hmm. So there's times like we had talked in the past about a, a track we needed a couple of years ago we couldn't get it until summertime and that was in february because it had to come directly from germany they said three to six months <laughs> and ryan maybe you can talk a little bit about this obviously this is not the only private snowmobile club in the up how well do you guys work with others? Are you in fairly constant communication? I know you mentioned that you were talking to the Tequamanon one not too long ago this week, actually. What's the communication look like? Um, there's a little bit of it. I, I won't say it's real strong. It's something that uh, the club's been talking about. I think we're going to try to engage a little bit, it's, especially with our neighboring clubs, what's going on for them, what's going on for us, um, and how can we partner together? What have we learned about different maintenance programs? Um, DNR has a couple of um, all-hands-on-deck meetings for all the snowmobile clubs for some general training and uh, communication. Um, But, Scott, I don't know if they've ever done any of the smaller ones or facilitated any of that with neighboring clubs, but I think that's something that we're going to grow into. And, you know, it it, it takes a lot of time and effort, not only on, you know, Scott and the groomer's side, but all the board members have, for the most part, full-time jobs and are doing that evenings and weekends. So... Um, you tend to focus on your club a little more than all the ones around you, um, but having some of those touch points periodically is, is something that we're working towards. And cause we only know what we know, and if we can share that amongst clubs, uh, we can learn some things. So, and I I've had a few conversations with the president of the Gogebic Range Authority. I think that's what their name is, 
and he's trying to figure out how we can all work together because he said he'd like to come up here and try to run with us and I'd like to go down there and try to run with them too see if they do anything different he wanted to see what we do different so and as far as the networks themselves do you guys connect to the neighboring network and you get from your trails to the go range authority trails without actually getting off of the path is that is yeah. it that well connected uh the end of our trail system ends in toygola mm-hmm. and that's where the superior club superior yeah yeah Su- superior superior picks up the trail from there and then takes it to where Ontonagon will pick it up and then Ontonagon picks it up from I'm not sure where but then Gogiba will pick it up then from where Ontonagon has it sure sure from up in the Keweenaw Grant you can go all the way down to the Wisconsin border um, and all the way to the Mackinac Bridge if you really want to on the connected trail system within the state and then the, the Mackinac Bridge Authority will even transport you well, they did before COVID. Don't quote me if they're still doing it right now. And they'll, they'll actually take you across the Mackinac Bridge, and then you can connect, I think, all the way down to Grand Rapids right now is as far south as you can get um, on the connected trail system. So they almost run escorts like the city of Houghton and city of Hancock do over the lift bridge. Yep. Yeah, they, well, they load you up on a trailer is what they do. Gotcha. But, so you, you don't get to actually ride across the Mackinac Bridge. <laughs> that would be pretty fun, though. Yes, it would. Um, as far as the the winter time goes, because you don't know what Mother Nature has in store, is there a set point where you're not really allowed to start grooming activities, say before a set date? Obviously, hunting season is going to play a big <laughs> part in that. Um, how about at the end of the year? I know this year with M Dot and the Bridge. They want to get started in March, but let's say it's a normal year and MDOT's not doing work on the bridge. Can you go until the snow's gone? Is that Until how March, it works? March 31st. It's December 1st to March 31st is when the trail system is open for snowmobile traffic. After that, it, the trails are closed, and then there's a waiting period for things to dry up before the ATV season starts. I don't remember exactly what that period is, mm-hmm. but there is a... It's very seldom, if, even if we do have snow into April, usually the DNR doesn't give us any extensions. It's very rare if they do. Now, do you guys all ride, or do you get enough fun <laughs> being part of the club? I used to ride. In fact, I sold my snowmobiles when I started grooming because I don't want to ride the same trail on a snowmobile that I just spent <laughs> 14 hours in a cab on. This this is my snowmobile, the piston bully. It's a very impressive one. How about you, Justin? Same thing. <laughs> I I would rather sit in the cab, listen to the radio in my t-shirt, than be freezing cold on a snowmobile. <laughs> <laughs> I can see all the same stuff at a slower speed than they go, so you get to see a lot at of, least a lot of wildlife, a lot of, wildlife. A lot of cool life. things that people won't get to see in sunrises and sunsets and yep. stuff that you know you only think that. People are telling stories about like five to ten foot drifts on top of Brockway Mountain. It's just a wall of snow. So I mean, you get to see stuff like that that nobody gets to see. Is there any dangerous parts to your job? I've seen some groomers going into you know the side of the ditch, getting off the, the path, so to speak. You know, is there anything where you've come across a situation that could have been potentially dangerous? Every day. Yeah, every, every day. day. The biggest 
the biggest danger we have as operators running these machines on a trail is snowmobiles running into us whether it's head-on or into the back of the drag or even rolling into the sides of the machine trying to go around my second year i was hit head head-on twice in the plow luckily nobody was injured but it happens more than you would like so I would assume, especially in the overnight hours, that that could be a major danger, or does it matter? Daytime. Daytime, Daytime mostly, usually. because you can't see the lights. So yep. normally that's why we leave so early in the morning to get out, because normally we're coming back. We're when back to Mohawk pretty much by the time the traffic starts. Yeah. And you mentioned seeing some things that you had only heard stories about. I'm assuming that you probably have a better appreciation for the Keweenaw as a whole now that you've crisscrossed it as much as you have what are some spots that you didn't know about before but maybe you try and make a habit even in the summer of getting to just because you find them kind of picturesque um i don't know i'm kind of lucky because my deer hunting camp is on the snowmobile trail so i get to go by that all the time that's kind of cool to see it in the winter when we normally don't go out there mm -hmm. and then i don't know like the top of Brockway in the wintertime is just so different compared to the summer. Um, I don't even like going up there in the summer because in the <laughs> wintertime you can see so far. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, don't, just, you don't have the leaves and stuff in the no, way. They're beautiful, but yeah. they do obstruct a lot. And with. It's kind of cool because you look down on top of Brockway, and I haven't been up there this year in the dark enough when it wasn't snowing so I could see, but you could see the Keweenaw Mountain Club or Mountain no, Lodge. The Mountain Lodge. You could see their ski trails lit up or their snowsuit trails lit up through the woods. It looks really cool. And then sometimes uh, coming around the other side of Copper Harbor, closer to <clears throat> High Rock, you can see Brockway Mountain, and then you can see the machine up, another machine up on top of Brockway. So that's kind of neat. Mm -hmm. What kind of animals do you come across? Obviously, bears are going to be in hibernation. Yep. I'm assuming foxes would be out, coyotes, wolves, that kind yep. of stuff. Last year, I saw seven wolves, lots of partridge, deer. Um, we've seen lots of deer this year, actually, more yeah. than last year, even. Um, but yeah, lots of wolves. Lots of wolves. Haven't seen one yet this and year. And lots of rabbits. Yeah. I watched a owl i watched a rabbit come in front of me my first year and stop in the middle of the trail and a snow owl came out of the tree and grabbed the rabbit right in front of the machine my first really year. yeah i couldn't even believe it but you get to see things that surprise you now you mentioned that some snowmobilers can run into you i'm assuming though that most kind of know the the way that everything is operated so they probably know when they're coming up to you and they pass you do they tend to give you a lot of gratitude for yeah. what you're doing oh, oh yeah. yeah yeah um snowmobilers will they tip us and that's and then they'll all kinds of hand signals all kinds of funny things like bowing down to us and stuff like that so it's a good time it makes you smile all the time so it's a you know, fun part of the job obviously since 2018 we haven't had the lake linden run open between hancock and lake linden because of the damage from the flood right i'm assuming that that's probably increased the traffic on the other trail going up towards calumet yes would yeah. it actually be better for the club would you prefer to have that back open again will that make things easier for you guys yes because that would uh, lighten up on the traffic from between hancock and calumet because that's the only way to get north right now so that would tremendously help the strain of, of traffic on our trail system. So I, I would like to see it back open. I'm hoping in next summer, like they say, supposedly they're gonna fix it. 
it'd be great for us and great for the sport. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Ryan, you mentioned that the DNR does a reimbursement. That's the main source of your, your funding. Do you get anybody who wants to thank you with some sort of monetary contribution? It may not be a lot, but do you have, say, drop boxes out on the trail somewhere that uh, riders can stop by and maybe show some gratitude, almost like a tip type system? Yes. Yeah, so we've got, um, I, I don't even know how many boxes total we have, but all the businesses um, that are along the trail system and sponsor on our maps. Um, get a box, they get maps to be able to take those donations in on our behalf, and then we go around and collect those periodically. Um, we do advertising dollars uh, through the through the map, and also on our grooming equipment, on the drags, we've got some sponsors on there. Um, and then we also do club memberships as well, so you can become a member both as an individual or as a family or as a business um, to help support the club and help fund um, projects, and then we're actively doing a fundraiser for a uh, new groomer barn uh, down just on the what is that the, the west side of Calumet there. Um, so we've been actively working on that, and always looking for volunteers to help with fundraising or projects in the club. Um, so certainly anybody that's interested can reach out um, to the website or the phone number on the club website um, to help get involved and be a part of that process. And you mentioned you guys are looking to do a new groomer barn. Um, how long has that been in the works for, do you, do you know? Uh, that's been in the works for a couple seasons now. They've been working on it. And they finally uh, put up the structure this summer. The roof was done, and I think they're still doing the siding, trying to complete it, wrap it up. But we won't be in there until next season because there's still a lot of work to be done. It still needs concrete poured, all the electrical, the plumbing, the drains, the heaters. So it's a long long list of stuff that still has to be completed before we can move in there with these machines and work on them in there and work out of that garage. And you mentioned you have at least a little bit of space down in South Range for one of the groomers? We have, a, yeah, there's a barn down there that we store one of our groomers for the south end on. It's not heated, so it's hard to get the machines to get thawed out. So we try every couple of weeks to bring it up here and get it thawed out, do maintenance on it, and then it'll go back down. <coughs> the biggest thing is keeping them thawed out at least a couple hours between shifts because they come back as big ice balls. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe it. Yeah. And you mentioned the need to do an oil change every couple of weeks, so I'm assuming it's yep. operating under the same parameters? Yep, yep. Every couple of weeks when we're when we're running full time is an oil change on each machine. It's right at the 250 to 300 to 400 hours you're running in two weeks. We're getting up close to a half hour, guys. Is there anything I haven't asked about that you think should get mentioned about the operations? If somebody wants to get involved, maybe help with uh, different volunteer opportunities. We do in the fall before the season starts. Usually it's a week, couple weeks after we do start in October. We do have a volunteer weekend where people can come out and help us on the trails, clear brush, put up signs, usually on a Saturday. And we'll usually post it on the website, the Cubana website. And I think they posted it on the visitor center's site too. So we'll definitely be doing that again next fall. So if people want to come in and help out, it'd be great. We appreciate the help. And we even had a little lunch for everybody afterwards this year and show appreciation for the volunteers that showed up and helped us 
Mm-hmm. And where is that kind of the, the central location for that? We meet all meet at the Trailside Lodge. Okay. And uh, Copper Country Rentals, there is where we all meet and we disperse from there. So if you're listening, mark your calendars for October in the Trailside Lodge if you want to help out the Keweenaw Snowmobile Club. We'll be back with more Copper Country today in about a minute.